Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. Hello and welcome to You Beauty, Mamma Mia's podcast about all things beauty related. My name's Sharon Hunt, but everyone calls me Shazzy, and you're listening to our weekly Ask an Expert episode. Now, it's easy to ignore things that we cannot see out of sight, out of mind, which probably explains why so many of us give very little attention to the condition of our scalp. But as we are seeing on social media more and more, people are beginning to question if we should be giving the skin on top of our heads as much love as the skin on our faces. To answer that and more, I'm joined today by trichologist Chelsea Salinger from the Australian Trichologist Centre to help us get to the bottom, or maybe that should be the root, of scalp health. Chelsea, thanks for joining us on New Beauty. It's nice to be here with you. I did wonder about the skin on our head and if it was anatomically different to our faces or even anywhere else on our body. Yeah, it's a great thought. There are a lot of similarities, mainly similar, but a few differences as well. Their scalp is similar in that it has the same pH as our facial skin. But one of the big differences is that, you know, with bigger hairs is a bigger sebaceous gland. Bigger hairs in comparison to, for example, the fine vellus hairs that are on your face. Yes. Whereas the hairs that are on our scalp or underarms or pubic hair are terminal hairs. Those terminal hairs, yes, have a sebaceous gland and, you know, so secreting more sebum or oil onto the scalp and obviously oiliness then has the possibility to giving rise to problems like dandruff. I guess also another difference is exposure to ultraviolet or UV. If you do have hair on your head, then you have that layer of protection from ultraviolet, whereas, you know, the face, for example, it may be uncovered and, and more exposed to that damage and oxidative stress as well. Mm. One of um things that's been driving me mad recently in recent media is, oh, the I've been hearing the scalp ages six times faster than the face, which is absolutely I've never heard rubbing. that, really. You haven't heard no. that. I often have patients. This is something that's doing the rounds at the moment yeah, on the algorithms. will come into my clinic say, oh, I'm worried about my scalp ageing. I go, that is not even close to true. And because of the hair having that ultraviolet protective property, you know, we're not having so much exposure to the elements and to ultraviolet. So it's the extra slip slop slap on your head. It's the hair layer protection. It would make sense that it's not aging as fast as the skin on your face because the ultraviolet rays are what speed up the skin aging process. You got it. When I think about products that I'm using on my head, I'm mostly thinking about hair products, to be honest. I'm thinking about, you know, shampoos and conditioners and masks. How are these products that we use on a regular basis to make our hair look luscious and shiny and at its best affecting our scalp health? They shouldn't be a problem at all is my short answer. Mm -hmm. Um, When, you know, you're thinking about your shampoos and conditioners, 
Well, shampoo is really, that's for the scalp. So when you pick a shampoo, you really want to make sure it is the correct pH. It should be a pH of around 5.5 because that's the same pH as the skin, the scalp. And also it's the right pH for the hair because that will also help to close the cuticle of the hair, making it smoother, making it less likely to get tangled and damaged. The same with a conditioner. Ideally, it should have a pH of around 5.5. You know, those good hair care products hopefully also contain some antioxidants because we know oxidative stress, cellular damage, is a part of what can cause or lead to the scalp problems. So hopefully those products that you were using anyway and you were thinking of the hair are actually being beneficial to the scalp too. Weird question, but how do you know what the pH of your shampoo or conditioner is? Is it written right there? Some products do have it written. Otherwise, I'm the kind of person who contacts the manufacturer and asks them what it is or what you put down here on the ends of your hair. It's irrelevant to the scalp health, so carry on as you would with that. So styling product, for instance, that say like ends products or oils that you're just using to kind of smooth off the ends, that stuff is not going to impact. Because I always do wonder if it climbs up. I don't know if that's possible. (laughs) It makes no difference, but they're great for just, yeah, like you said, superficially helping to manage the hair, give it that general look, not a problem. All right, well, let's think about our dream scalp care routine, if there is one. What would you see that it should be comprised of in terms of products and also how should you be applying them? The ideal routine would be, and I know people, especially if you've got long hair, are not going to love me saying this, but (laughs) ideally you would wash your hair, you would shampoo your hair every day because this helps to maintain the correct balance of the microbiome of the scalp, get rid of the excess sebum or oil on the scalp because that oil can lead to things like dandruff, the buildup of the sebum, the particular bad yeast, melesthesia globosa, is sebum or oil dependent. So you want to be washing your hair frequently to remove that oil. So you're taking away that food source for it and you're not having an overgrowth and it damaging the upper layer of the skin. The absolute maximum that I'm really comfortable with you doing is every three days. Mm. But, you know, closer you can get to every day, the better, you know, if you're exercising and sweating, you really should be washing your hair after that. So that's really important as part of your routine. This is quite fascinating because I think about the skin on my face, right? And if someone said to me, an expert, a dermatologist, was like, wash your skin every day or at least twice a day if you can. And then you'd be like, oh, yes, of course, it makes so much sense. But on the scalp, I'm like, ah, a couple of days, it'll be right. But if it's still skin up there, then of course it makes sense. It needs to be washed every day. It's just a lot more work because of the hair. Why then would we hear, say, hairdressers or stylists kind of go more along the lines of, oh, every second day is great, every third day is great. They're not thinking about our scalps. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, I think that they probably are more thinking about their like hair. manageability Sometimes, or styling ability. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder if they're maybe trying to preserve colour as well because obviously mm, oh, each yes. time you wash the hair, if you've had it coloured, then that's going to be reduced as well. But when we're looking just at the scalp, you were like every single day. Yeah, would be the best. I then wondered what other products then should be in an ideal scalp care routine. So we've got the shampoo and conditioner. I think you don't have to go over the top. This doesn't have to be a seven-step routine. Well, that's where I felt like it's going, that people are like, it's skin, just like on our faces. So we need to be giving it that seven-step skincare routine with all the actives love. Nope, there's not really any evidence for that. Obviously, if you've got a scalp condition, 
yeah, then there's probably some other things that might be necessary for you, but that's definitely personalised and worthwhile seeing a trichologist in that case to have it checked out. Keep it simple. Don't overcomplicate things. I'm shook on different levels today. (laughs) The simplicity of it is surprising. I wondered when you have, you know, inflammation, dermatitis, dandruff, the kind of products and treatment-based products that you'd be recommending, are these things that you can just go in, self-diagnose and buy, or are these things that need to be prescription and seen to by an expert? It is better to get a diagnosis because the diagnosis changes what you use. And often people come into me, for example, saying that they've got, you know, a really dry scalp. Mm. It's flaky and it's dry. And I'll look under the microscope and actually, in fact, Their scalp is oily and they assume it's dry because it's flaky, but actually those flakes are from overgrowth of the yeast causing damage to the upper layer of the skin, the flaking. That yeast is overgrowing because of excessive oiliness. So to the untrained eye, it's Mm. easy to be fooled, get a specific diagnosis. But I mean, for some scaly conditions, I do quite like salicylic acid. It's Mm -hmm. a keratolytic agent, can help to remove some of the scaliness Oily conditions as well, often, you know, I'll prescribe creams containing sulfur and also, you know, anti-yeast products. Think of, you know, your medicated shampoos, anti-dandruff shampoos can also be quite helpful in some situations with dandruff or seborrheic dermatitis as well. Weird question, but how do you apply these products when you've got all your hair in the way? (laughs) (laughs) You know, you need to have the shampoo being in contact with your scalp for about three minutes. So you want me to do this every day and you want that shampoo on there for three minutes? (laughs) (laughs) So I've just gotten back from being in London at the World Trichology Conference. Since that conference and some new research that shows that shampoo needs to be in contact with your scalp for three minutes, it then has two hours. The two hours post that application, it can make a big difference, but yeah, you need that contact time. So make sure when you shampoo, whatever one you are, using if it's anti-dandruff or if it's got antioxidants to help the scalp, that you really get in there, get contact with the scalp, leave it on so it's got that contact time, then wash it off. On the old socials, there are so many trending ingredients that people claim did this and that and made their hair grow as long as Rapunzel. And the one we're hearing a lot about at the moment is rosemary water. There was one study that looked at rosemary, I think it was actually rosemary oil, comparing to topical minoxidil 3%. And it showed in that study they were of equal benefit. Now, the issue here, before you get excited... I was just about to go buy some. (laughs) Before you get excited, is that 3% topical minoxidil isn't the gold standard. It's 5%. So really, you know, there needs to be a study comparing rosemary with 5% minoxidil. Rosemary water, which I've seen this going around too. I mean, what percentage of rosemary is in there? Are people just making this at home (laughs) in their sink? It's not going to be as effective as, you know, the evidence-based treatments that are currently available, which there are many. There is some recent evidence that your listeners might want to know that if you were using minoxidil, which is a treatment for genetic hair loss, there are actually some a few studies that show evidence that retinol improves the efficacy of the minoxidil, makes it more effective. Oh, it's a, like a booster. Yeah, so I think because it's a keratolytic agent, it then appears to aid the minoxidil's function to increase, you know, 
growth factors for the hair and improve their hair growth. If you could pick just one product, treatment, tool, something that would benefit your scalp that you want everyone to just go out and get right now, what would it be? Antioxidants orally is the most important thing that you could do for your scalp health. The other big one is vitamin D, so important for your hair and scalp health and immunity. But vitamin D levels tend to be lower in people with hair loss and scalp conditions. So taking oral vitamin D, so important. My advice is more about orally supplementing to improve your hair and scalp. What I'm seeing around at the moment is a lot of like scalp exfoliators, really scalp specific treatments. Are you saying we don't need any of these? If you've got a normal healthy scalp, you don't have any problems, then honestly, you don't need to have all of these, you know, scalp exfoliators, scalp masks. If things are going well for you, you don't have to add these into your routine. Just get that shampoo and conditioner right. Yeah. Chelsea, thank you so much. Thank you. So my mind or my scalp, I should say, is blown by this conversation today with Chelsea. And I think like all of you, the biggest part I took away from it is as a beauty girl, I prided myself that, you know, whenever a hairdresser would say to me, oh, you know, don't wash your hair too often because you don't want to lose the colour or because the condition of it makes it easier to style when it's like second day or third day hair, maybe fifth day for me sometimes. But when we're talking to someone who is honed right in on the health of your scalp. She's telling us every single day, wash it. And if it was a skin expert who was saying it about your face, you would go, of course I have to wash it every day. That makes perfect sense. Build up, gunk, environmental stuff. But then with our scalp, for some reason, we're thinking of it a little bit differently. But Chelsea's telling us it is skin just the same. It just happens to have some really thick hairs growing out of it. So something to think about when it comes to your wash routine, maybe bring it down from every five days like me to more like every second or third day if you are trying to keep your scalp in really good health. And thank you for tuning in today. I'm Shazzy Hunt. Our show's producer is Cassie Merritt and audio production is by Leah Porges. And I'll catch you next time. Bye.